Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Uh, when the pastor's gone away, the lower staff gets to play. So um, <clears throat> let's see if we can have some fun tonight. But I do always want to say thank you to Pastor Eric and Heather for, one, being such a great inspiration uh, to me and my wife and to this church and being such amazing, godly examples of, of how to be a good husband, how to be a good man of God, how to be a good pastor. And uh, it's just an honor to, uh, to be a part of his team and a part of his ministry. And for those who don't know, uh, if you were here Sunday, um, Pastor Eric preached, and, and we had a loss in the church, and uh, Pastor Eric went and did the funeral Friday, uh, Sunday after church. And I was at the funeral, and, and I want to let it be known that he preached one of the most amazing funeral messages I've ever heard before. And it's one of the first times that I was ever in a funeral home and watched multiple people stand up and give their life to Christ. And he's not here, but I like bragging on my pastor. And I want you to know that your pastor did an exceptional job and brought the gospel to a hurting group of people. And he does that every Sunday. He does that every Wednesday. He's an amazing man. And we get the opportunity as staff to see him behind the scenes. And he's just as true as he is on stage as he is in his house watching football. So uh, I love bragging on him. Um, and if he hears about it, uh, don't let him know I said that. I'm joking. Uh, so I'm so thankful that he allows me to get up here and, and speak behind his pulpit. It, it's a huge honor. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for uh, revealing yourself to me, Father. I thank you that, that you've given me this word to speak, and I ask you to empower me, that it's, it's not by my might, it's not by my strength, but it's, it's by your spirit, Father. I thank you that out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. I thank you uh, that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak your presence and your glory and your name today, Father. I ask you to prepare the hearts of everyone here to receive your word and, and prepare me to deliver it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> the title of my sermon is, I Need You. I Need You, and luckily, I guess, my wife stepped out, but I was going to confess something to her and in front of everyone, the pastors aren't here, so I can share my piece now, and I guess my wife will just have to listen to the podcast. When I was younger, I met a girl that I thought that I needed, that I thought the moment that I met her that I was going to marry her. I thought, this is the girl. She's, she's blowing me away. She's, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's just amazing. And I thought that I'm going to marry her and we're going to live happily ever after in Louisiana. But there was a downfall to the need that I had in regards to this girl. Number one, I was around six years old. And number two, I don't want to quote her or misquote her, but I do believe that she still thought and said that boys were icky. So I don't know if it was going to work out. But at the young age of six, I knew that I needed this girl somehow, some way in my life. And so I remember in children's church of the age of six to eight-year-olds, I had this genius baller move that I was going to do to get this girl. We were good, and if we were good in class, we got candy. So one day I got a piece of gum, and I'm too shy and too nervous to talk to this girl because I need her. She's just amazing. So I had the bright idea at six years old 
that I would walk past her and drop the piece of gum, hoping that she would pick it up and hand it back to me. See, that's good, you know? That's how I actually got my wife. Um, <laughs> it works. <laughs> Definitely works. It's just I dropped like a $100 bill for her, and she just kept following. I'm joking. She didn't. She, she dropped some food in my lap, and I ate it and couldn't get away from her. So, uh, so I dropped this piece of candy, and, and she walks right past it. She's, she's on to my skillful ways. So I'm not defeated at this moment. I pick the piece of candy up, and for the next five or so minutes, proceed to drop this piece of candy three, four, five times right next to her. And uh, unfortunately, and fortunately, she never picked it up or talked with me. But I thought that I needed her. Found out I didn't. She moved on, and obviously I moved on. I met my wife, and she cooked for me biscuits and gravy one time, and I knew at that moment I need this woman <laughs> in my life. There's relationships that we have in our life that we recognize that we need, and there's some that happen in our lives that we recognize I didn't know I needed it until I experienced it. Me and my wife just had our first son. Uh, he's eating right now and doing what babies do, and I didn't recognize that I needed a relationship with my son or to have a son until the birth happened and I held my son. And then I recognized at that moment, oh, I need you. I, I, I didn't know this before, but now I need you. And now it's a month in and me and my wife, as we wake up at 3.30 in the morning, we both say to ourselves, we need him. Like we, we know, we love him, we need him and try and put him back to sleep over and over again. There's relationships in our lives that we need. And over the last couple weeks, I have come to the conclusion that I need Jesus. And it's such a simple revelation that we all come across, but it's, it's deeper than the idea of I need you. It's something that has been stirring inside of me over and over again that I need you, Jesus. And I came across this passage, and we're going to be reading out of it in Mark 10. We're going to be reading through 46 and 52. And I noticed some truths as I read it today, as the Lord revealed it to me. And we're going to walk through these truths that he showed me verse by verse, and, and I'll go as, as quick as I can, and uh, you listen as fast as you can. And we're going to see the story of blind Bartimaeus, and the story of how a man needed Jesus, captured Jesus' attention, and ultimately came face to face with Jesus, had an amazing encounter with him. And so we're going to pull some truths out of this story, and hopefully it will help you and, and bring you in a deeper relationship of needing Jesus. And so we start off in the first verse, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, being Jesus, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Jesus is in Jericho. He comes out of Jericho, and he's walking down this busy road, and he's got his whole entourage. He's got his 12 disciples. He's got his bodyguards surrounding him. He's probably got the Pharisees and the Sadducees that are asking him all kinds of questions. He's got people that are hooting and hollering, saying, we love you. Who are you? What's going on? Over and over again, he's got this huge crowd, and seemingly he's walking down this busy road, and there's a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus that is begging, and it says that his dad's name is Timaeus. And I find it interesting that this city of Jericho is the same city that Joshua destroyed in the Old Testament. 
And that blind Bartimaeus, knowing that he needs a touch from God and needing something from God, is at the same place where an old miracle occurred, where an old encounter with God occurred. And I find it interesting in our own lives that we sometimes, when we need Jesus, and we need to encounter and touch him, that we'll go back to the old miracles to try and rekindle the flame. Sometimes I'll think to myself, oh, well, I remember that one time I was sick. I'm going to go find that guy that prayed for me in junior high, and I got healed because he's the only one that can do it. I remember that one time that that family gave me money, and so I'm going to go and cozy up next to them because God's probably going to use them again to give me money. It's just such a blessing. I just want to be right next to you and drop hints. And so we find ourselves that when God does a mighty miracles in our lives, Sometimes we want to rekindle those things because we need a new, fresh touch from him. We need to see him again. We need to hear him again. And we go back to our Jericho because he knocked down the walls in Jericho once. Why, why wouldn't he do it again? But it says in Psalms that, Psalms 46, that God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of need. He wants to meet you right now where you're at and help you right now in a new, amazing way. We see that Blind Bartimaeus, the interesting thing, his dad is named Timaeus. Pretty cool name, Timaeus. And it means highly prized. His father is highly prized, and his son is poor and broke. As I read it, I I wondered what, what happened in between the two families. What happened to the dad that is highly prized in dealing with a son that is blind alone, and on a busy street begging for money. It got me thinking in the moment that when we need Jesus, it it doesn't matter the relationships that we have. No husband, no wife can meet the need that Jesus ultimately satisfies. No kid, no son, no daughter, no relationship, no name that attaches itself, can meet the need like Jesus does. Blind Bartimaeus needed a need, and it wasn't just money that he needed at that moment. And so we see Jesus walking out by the highway. And blind Bartimaeus is sitting there, and he hears the throng of people come. And he can't see, but is the sound different than any other day? He just hears this constant noise of people coming by. And, excuse me, could I have a penny? Could I have a cheeseburger? Did you just stop at Chick-fil-A? Did I hear a rustle of a Taco Bell bag? Can you just drop that off? I just need that. But all of a sudden, he hears an intense crowd of people come by, and he starts hearing the name Jesus. And he starts hearing the name Jesus which would have to mean that he's heard it before because he starts crying out in the next verse to Jesus. So he's had to have heard who he is and what's going on and recognize the importance of the name. And we see in the next verse, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus doesn't just succumb to the misery and give up on life, just because he's hindered by one of his senses, he can't see. In this verse right here, we see him using multiple senses. He hears and he cries out. 
So I want to encourage you today that just because there's one area of your life that you're not seeing God show up totally how you need, don't disregard the other areas because God is showing up time and time again in other areas. But sometimes we get so caught up in the moment of God, I need the healing. God, I need the healing. God, I need the healing. And we forget that God's providing the finances. We forget that God's providing the resources. We forget that God's restoring the relationships. We see blind Barnabas at this moment. He's blind and he can't see but he uses his other senses to understand and recognize that God is there and God's moving in that moment. With recent things in my life, it's weird to look at certain areas of my life and think, God, where are you here? What's going on here? I need you right here, right now. But now with this kid, it's, it's been an amazing journey to step back and look and think, wow, God, you sent this person into my life and spoke here and, and, and you blessed these people to bless me and, and you did this. And when I take a step back, I see that Jesus is all around and he's ministering and helping in all different areas and aspects. And we see him crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The next truth that I noticed in this verse is if you want to get God's attention, start using your voice. Start calling out to deliver with the intention of being heard. You see, blind Bartimaeus at this moment has to yell louder than the people that are walking across the street. He has to yell louder than the disciples that are with Jesus. He has to yell louder than the people that are surrounding him. He has to be known that he knows who Jesus is. So if you truly need Jesus in your life, start using your voice and start finding out who he is in regards to the issues that you're facing. He has many, many names throughout the scriptures. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our salvation. He is our restorer. But it's up to you to start using your voice and start calling out to the one who can ultimately fix what you need and finding out what it is that you need and start calling him by that name. And we see blind Bartimaeus at this moment using his voice. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. In the next verse we go to, and many changed, I'm sorry, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The very beginning we see all these people start running up to him and telling him to be quiet, which means that he had to be yelling pretty loud to be trying to get Jesus' attention. For people on a busy street with a throng of people and disciples in Jesus to start trying to hush him. He had to be pretty belligerent to go and reach out and try and meet Jesus. But isn't it just so fitting of people sometimes to try and discredit us whenever we're trying to receive a miracle or trying to reach out to Jesus? Whenever me and my wife moved up here th almost three years ago, about two and a half now. I was in Louisiana. I was working at a church there, and we got to tell my family, and we got to tell my wife's family, and talking to people in Louisiana, telling them, like, hey, we're moving up to help out with this church in McKinney, Texas. And then all the questions started. Oh, that's great. What are you going to be doing? I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I know I'm called to this church. 
okay, well, where are you going to live? I, well, I, we haven't really figured that out yet, but, but God's calling me to the church. Okay, well, are you going to work there, or what, what's going to happen? Well, I don't really have a job yet, but, but God's called me to the church, and, and I know if I'm going to grow in God, and I know if I'm going to get closer to God, and I know if he's going to change me, and he's going to mold me, and he's going to bring me to places that I need to be, I, I need to be there. That's, that's where I need to be. And people, over and over again, even though they were caring, even though they were nice, even though they were concerned, Sometimes they would speak things, and then I would lay down at night and be like, oh, dear Lord, where, where are we going? Like, what, what, are we, what are we doing, God? We got to, you know, I'm, I'm putting on a brave face in front of people and, and in front of my wife, but, but God, we got, we got some talking to do. We got to figure this out. It's very interesting that as the moment that you step up and say, I need Jesus in my life. I need to overcome this. I need to restore this. I need healing. I need restoration. I'm going to be debt-free by the end of the year. People start whispering in your ear. Are you going to get a better job? So you're going to start tithing? Are you going to go to the doctor? It's interesting at this moment when he's so desperately crying out for Jesus, people start shushing him. People start making him be quiet. We see with this that your voice has to be louder than the negative voices. Has the negativity of life clouded your desire to ultimately need Jesus? We are constantly bombarded by negative information. If you turn on the TV at any moment, point in time, by way of the news or any other TV channel, I'm bombarded by negativity. If you watch the news, you know the world's going to end. What's the point of living? If I turn on something as crazy as uh, the gossip channel, I just find out how much money I don't have and how many people that don't deserve the money are spending it on stupid things. I, I turn on ESPN and I find out that all my teams are losing and uh, they traded away all their good players. And over and over again, I turn on the radio and I hear about the weather and, and then I, I, I look for a job and I, I find out how terrible the job market is. It, it's crazy the negativity that we're constantly bombarded with, but we don't even pay attention to it because we just take it as normal. We just take it as, oh, this is life. I just, I just watch the news and, and I find out that, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and I take it. But your voice has to be louder than the negativity. We see, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out, more great. More great. How, how much more belligerent did he just go? How crazy was he when he stood up and heard that it was Jesus? How crazy was he acting when they told him to sit down and be quiet? And how crazy was he to make more great of a deal? Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The next verse we see, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. In the middle of all the noise and confusion, Jesus noticed the call for help. Isn't it crazy? In the middle of all the chaos that was happening, he heard one phrase. And it stopped him. 
The busy hustle and bustle of him heading out of Jericho, people everywhere, people hooting and hollering, asking him questions, touching him, yelling at him, doing all kind of stuff. There's a crazy blind man that's yelling, and he's yelling louder, and he's yelling louder, and he's yelling louder. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's what caught his attention. It says he stood still. He said, I'll talk to him, bring him here. Commanded him to come. And then we see the people, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Isn't it amazing that the same people that were just shutting him up, all of a sudden changed their tone. Be of good comfort, blind Bartimaeus. Rise, he calleth thee. When they were just telling him, shut up. It's not going to work. He doesn't care. He doesn't listen. He doesn't know what you're going through. He doesn't care what you're going through. He's not going to worry about you. He cares about these people more than you. He cares about those people. He's not going to listen to you. Just quit praying, quit tithing, quit giving. And Jesus heard, all he heard was blind Bartimaeus. He says, bring him here. Now all of a sudden the people, the the fairies and the rainbows are out. Be of good cheer, blind Bartimaeus. The Lord is here to help you. It's like they almost think that they're going to get some face time with Jesus because of what blind Bartimaeus did. Well, I brought him Jesus. I knew knew that he loved you the whole time. I I knew you could heal him. He's just such a great man of God with such faith. Like I I just want to know how much I stood with him through the whole time. I've just sat by him. Every time he's begged, I've just been right here. Be of good cheer. People are very fickle. But what do you believe? Because the waves of people are going to come and go. They're going to build you up, and then they're going to tear you down. And they're going to tear you down, they're going to build you up. But on Christ, the solid rock I stand when all else is sinking sand. What do you believe in the moment that you need Jesus? Because people are going to come and try and take things away, and people are going to try and jump in when, when the miracles are good and the fire's hot. Woo, we're here to celebrate. What do you believe? Because the voices of negativity aren't going to stop. But I know who my Redeemer is. I know who my healer is. So in the midst of the chaos, I can say, Son of David, have mercy on me, and know full well that he'll be still and reach out to me. What do you believe? The next verse we have, And he, blind Bartimaeus, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Two things in this verse Number one, to get closer to Jesus, you're going to have to cast some things away. Number two, to get close to Jesus, you're going to have to walk in faith. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you become like him, which, thank God, means I become less like me. Because I know when I look in the mirror, I'm just a Cajun boy from Louisiana. But I know with him, As he is in heaven, so am I right here at this moment. But you're going to have to get rid of some things. You have to cast some things away. 
And as you pursue Christ, as you pursue Jesus, it's very easy. It's, it's amazing what you'll give up to encounter more of Jesus. It's amazing the relationships. It's amazing the security. It's amazing the, the ideas. Whenever I was in Louisiana, the idea of moving somewhere else was not even close in my mind. I thought that I was going to stay there. Me and my wife put a down payment on a house. We set it up and we we're, well, not a down payment. What did we, what did we do? I don't remember. We tried to buy a house. We tried to buy a couple houses. We tried to buy one house, and we, we signed all the papers, and I went to a conference, and this is probably weeks before I decided to move to McKinney. And my realtor called me, and she said, hey, uh, the guy, he likes your proposal, uh, but he wants to change a couple things, uh, so they made a counteroffer. I said, okay, let me talk to my wife. I'm in Alabama. Let me call her, talk to her. We'll figure it out. So I call her back. I said, okay, just that's fine. We want this, this, and this, and whatever he said was good. So she calls me back a couple hours later, and she says, hey, I got, I got some bad news. And I thought in my mind, oh, they, they counteroffered again, like for the third, fourth time, like, but that's how it is. She says, we lost the house. I said, we, we lost the house? I said, we, we put in an offer. When you put in an offer, you, you don't lose the house. Like, that's, that's not what happens. She says, I don't know, there was a loophole. Uh, somehow, uh, when we went to counteroffer, uh, it went back on the market for a couple hours, and somebody came in and paid cash for it. I said, I don't know anything about realtying, but I feel like that's not right. She's like, I don't know if it's right. I'm trying to check it out. I said, all right, that's fine. Like, I felt peace about it. I said, we'll just, we'll just find out. We'll just hang out, and we'll pray about it. A couple weeks later, I get the revelation through a friend then I should be moving to McKinney and helping out with this church. And I think to myself, wow, this is a big step to do, but it's okay. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that God's called me to come here. And so I just let it go. Job at the church, I said, it's all right, God will provide. The house that we were trying to get, it's all right, God will provide. All my family's in Louisiana. It's all right. God will provide. Show up here. God's provided. More and more than, he, than I can even imagine. Second thing we see is he rose up and came to Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus is, I, I don't want to get crazy with you, but blind Bartimaeus is blind. How does he rise up and walk to Jesus? How does he rise up and walk to Jesus? That takes some faith on his part to step out into the unknown that he literally can't see and expect to walk in front of Jesus, to be blind and not even know what Jesus looks like and believe that he's going to step in front of him. He obviously doesn't have the best of friends, so who knows where they're going to bring him. They could bring him in front of a brick wall. Here's Jesus. It takes faith when you need Jesus. And we see blind Bartimaeus throw off his garments, rise up, and walk toward Jesus. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You want to get closer to Jesus, you want to experience his power, start stepping out in faith and believing 
because that's where he's at. And I'm almost done, and I'll end it up. We got two scriptures left. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus wants to know exactly what you want. What will that I should do unto you? What do you want? Blind Barnabas says, I want to see. Cut and dry. But if we went into your prayer closets right now, what do your prayers sound like? Heavenly Father, if it's your will, I was just wondering maybe if you could heal this cancer from me. If if you don't, that's okay. I understand. It's all good. Heavenly Father, I've been working this job forever and ever, and I really would like a raise, but I understand if I just need to maintain, you know, this amount of pay. You know, Heavenly Father, I want to be closer to you, but if you don't want to be that close to me, then that's okay. You know, I'll just stay where I am. You know, God, I really want to be used by you, but but if I'm too ugly, then then God, just say I'm too ugly. It's okay. I understand. Or, 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 you know, if I'm from Louisiana, God, I know that's that's not really looked good upon in the other rest of the world, so if you don't want me to go and do anything, God, then I'll just stay in Louisiana. Jesus says, what do you want? Blind Mara says, I want to see. Mark 10, or Mark 11, therefore I say unto you, whatso things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Start talking to Jesus about what you want and be specific and be exact because he's asking you, what do you want? I'm right here, I'm all you need, what do you want? Be exact. And then we see in verse 52, and Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received sight and followed Jesus in the way. Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. The word faith is pistis in the Greek, meaning conviction of truth of anything. And the word whole is sozo, which is what we use for salvation. How did his faith just save him? He just asked for sight. And then immediately he received sight. But how did his faith save him? Go back up to verse 46. No, I'm sorry, 47. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard that phrase, son of David. If we go to 2 Samuel, this is a messianic, prophetic thing, that the Messiah would be the son of David. And this is God talking to David, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Next verse. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee in the last part of it. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. The reason Jesus became still is because he heard son of David, which blind Bartimaeus at that moment said, you're the Messiah. You're the one that everyone's been talking about, and I need the Messiah to show up right now in my life. And when he heard those words, Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. Whatever he needs, we're going to take care of it. And he says, your faith has made you whole. And we see after in the, the verse 52, 
after he makes a statement, your faith has made you whole, immediately he receives his sight. It says in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, the power unto salvation. The word power, one of the words of power, the definitions of power, is power to perform miracles. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Blind Barmaeus says, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops and says, oh, he's calling the Messiah. I'm right here. What do you need? He says, I need to be healed. The power of salvation also means the power of miracles. As soon as he believed, he received his miracle. As soon as he believed that he was the Messiah, he instantly received the miracle of sight. When Jesus says, oh, your faith has made you whole, immediately. He immediately got access to the new covenant principles that hadn't even been established yet. Jesus had this audacious attitude that he was just going to write a bunch of checks and heal and save and cast out demons and do all kind of stuff. And he says, I'll pay for it later. Don't worry. Just go and enjoy. And we see him, blind Bartimaeus, the very last part. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. That word way is the same Greek word that was used in the very early part of this passage where it talks about the walkway that everyone was walking on. Isn't it amazing that when he encountered Jesus, the area in his life that he had sat at and dealt with his entire life of sitting by that wayside, he had never seen it before. He didn't know what it looked like. It was just dark and cloudy in his eyes. But when he came across Jesus and met him, he looks at the, the way and walks with him down the road. Because it says in the word that his, lamp, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. When you meet Jesus, the areas in your life that were once blinded and cloudy become open and available. And it makes sense as you walk with him. Imagine the joy and probably the disgust because it's old Israel of what blind Bartimaeus sees on this street. Imagine the areas and the smells and the things that he's always encountered. Now all of a sudden he sees with crystal clear vision. I need Jesus. And I'll finish it up with this passage. It's the story of Mary Magdalene. We can go to John 20. Verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stood down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew that it was not Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Thou seeketh. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you've borne him hence, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. See, at this moment, Mary had already come out of a lot of things in her life. It says that Jesus cast out several demons in Mary. Jesus, and she recognized who Jesus was. But she needed Jesus at this moment. She needed him. She had just gone through an amazing traumatic experience in her life by seeing one of her best friends die 
on a cross, which just so happened to be Jesus. She thought her whole world was over, and she was struggling and trying to figure her life out. So she goes to where he was, and he's not there. She says, I just need you. I just need to see you one more time. I just need to encounter you one more time. I just want to experience you one more time. He's not, he's not there, and she's looking, and she's searching. Sure enough, Jesus shows up. It's interesting that he says, Mary. For the longest time, he has no idea. She has no idea who he is until he says her name, Mary. She turns around and says, Rabbi, my master, my teacher. And then I put myself in Jesus' shoes at that moment. Jesus just dies on the cross. He's just gone through the most ridiculous torture that any person can deal with at that time and even now. Finally, he says it is finished and he gives up the ghost and you think it's over for him. You think, hey, maybe he'll get some rest now. It's been a long couple days. No, he goes actually into hell to defeat Satan, take some keys, laugh at Satan. Then he goes up to a party in Abraham's bosom where he's seeing David and Moses and Abraham and Adam and Eve and they're all hooping and hollering and saying, you're real, you're here. I've waited all this time. After three days of that, he kind of wakes up and takes off whatever the garment clothes that he has and he folds them up, rolls away the stone, knocks out a couple guards. Imagine the human excitement that if I'm Jesus at that moment and I'm coming out the grave, I mean, I'm hooping and hollering. I'm I'm making myself known, like, I'm going to Pontius Pilate, like, you can't do anything now. You can't beat me. You tried to kill me. Good job. I mean, I'm going to everybody that's talked. I'm going to the Pharisees. I'm going right there. Hey, remember when you hit on me and spit on me a couple days ago? I'm alive. Remember when you thought you killed me and you laughed at me? I'm alive. It's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm, if I'm Jesus, the, just the craziness things that I would be doing, which is why I'm not Jesus, but he recognizes in that moment that there's one woman that's crying near his tomb that needs him. And out of the crazy, busy schedule that the Son of Man and the Son of God has at this moment as literally the old covenant's passing away and the new covenant's beginning and all of heaven is rejoicing, he takes time to meet the need and to show up and minister to a crazy, non, now non-demon-possessed woman. I don't know what's going on in your life, but he does, and you need to tell him about it. Because we get this crazy inclination that God's too busy for me. He doesn't have time for me. He's got he's to go help Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn's doing way more stuff, you know, the Grahams, they are killing the kingdom in the earth right now. He's got to take care of them. He doesn't have time for me. But over the last couple of days and the last couple of weeks, I need him. And I've been talking to him about it. God, I need you in my life in a relationship that I've never experienced before. God, I've been married for going on almost four years. And I still don't know how to be that great of a husband. I need you to operate in that area of my life. I just had a kid literally a month ago and I, I put it in the bed and I just look at it 
and I don't know what to do with it, but somehow I know what to do with it, but I'm asking God constantly, I need you to teach me how to raise this kid. I need you to teach me how to speak into his life and to bring him up and raise him up. God, I need you in my finances. God, I, I need you in so many areas of my life. I'm going to push out all the negativity, and I'm going to start telling you that I need you. Because whenever you start telling God that you need him, he starts showing up and he starts doing things and he starts changing things. And he takes a blind man that was struggling his entire life and he totally transforms him life in one moment because he tells him what he needs. Are you audacious enough? Are you brave enough? Do you have the faith enough to step out today and say, I need you? Because that's what life boils down to. I'm so far out in this faith walk of crazy things that God has done in my life and in my wife's life and in my family's life that I look back and I think, I have no idea how I got to this point. When I left Louisiana and I decided to come out here, it's been a whirlwind. And he's met me every time. And I need him more. I need him more. I need him more. I can't, I can't, I can't maintain the amount of relationship that we're having right now, God. We gotta go deeper. We gotta go further. I gotta experience you more. I wanna be the man. Hopefully you wanna be the man. You wanna be the woman. And tonight as you lay your head down on your pillow, before you go to sleep, if you mean it, just whisper to him, I need you. And watch what happens. Father God, thank you so much for this congregation. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. Father, we need you. You know the hearts, you know the minds, you know, you know the lives of each and every person here, and you know that they need you in their lives. God, I ask you to give them the revelation to start using their voice, start telling you what they need, Start believing and stepping out in faith and reaching out and having an amazing relationship with you because you love each and every one of us. The gospel that you so amazingly laid out, that you sent your son to die for us, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again. And the simple concept and idea that if we believe and confess that, that we have complete access to the treasures in your kingdom, Father. I ask you to use this word to bear fruit in their souls tonight, Father, that you empower them to step out and totally search after you, totally seek after you. God, I ask you to bless your people. I ask you to be with them. I ask you to encourage them. I ask you to bring freedom to those situations. I ask you to bring healing to those situations. And that this is the moment and the time that we step out and say we need you because we know that you'll meet us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.